We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host tonight. Two of them. we got former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart and Brian Jawanu visiting us for Rams Uncensored. Two guys have been on break. We had to get Brian on just to, you know, get get him a little bit of, I guess, some work, a little bit of action. Before I say hello to Michael and Brian, one, thank you for not being too hard on us for taking last night off. We've been a little slow since the season ended and... It was a hard night for those of us here at Rams Talk. Many of us are Lakers fans. Many of us have watched Kobe Bryant play throughout his entire career and just couldn't get the heads in the game last night. So uh, thank you for being patient. 
And I guess right away I'll go over to Michael Stewart first. Mike, how you doing? And, uh, geez, what's your thoughts on the news from yesterday? Man, uh, you know, doing well uh, in regards uh, opposite of, obviously, the, the tough news that uh, we all have come to know of yesterday. You know, it's interesting that, you know, where the plane went down, uh, somewhat in the neighborhood. I did a, a area, did a lot of detailing with my company. And then the fact that, you know, Mamba building was on the grounds of where my wife worked for the former Amgen company. Well, she's former. They're not. Uh, beautiful building that he became, I believe, a partner in a couple years ago. So just having that unique ideal of knowing where all these things are and where and where they were hitting and uh, heading, excuse me, it just is just kind of unreal to, to know that. You know, a guy like Kobe and his family and the rest of those on a helicopter, I'm sure just, hey, we're going to go to our tournament and have a good time and unfortunately didn't make it. So, yeah, pretty tough. Brian, your initial thoughts? You know, I got a text message. I wasn't I just got home from uh, doing a workout and somebody said something about the news. So, of course, I jumped directly on Twitter and it was really hard to believe at first, you know, I, I see it, you know, being reported by TMZ, but you know, it's just one of those things when you first hear it, it's like, you just don't want to believe it. So I went looking from source to source to source. And then the more I'm looking, the more I'm horrific. I'm finding out how many more people are on the helicopter. And, you know, for me following Kobe, he's around the same age as me. He's a year younger than me. So I've always had a real like connection with him because, you know, I was just getting out of high school when he was first, you know, starting to play in the NBA. So it was a tough day. Um, I pray for the families involved and, you know, I hope there's some way to ease them and comfort them. I mean, I don't really have much to say. You know, for me, I was actually at a, a show in Pittsburgh with my wife and we were just leaving the show when I just started hearing people say crash crash and, and died and I thought they were talking about traffic outside the arena it isn't be a traffic jam because everybody just kind of stopped in their tracks and then as my wife and I kind of kind of just kind of made our way out I opened up my text and saw that one of our co-hosts from Talking Halos, John, you know, had messaged and say sorry about Kobe. I'm like, what are you talking about? I got in the car and here I find out this is what happened. That's that's why everybody was standing around and kind of in shock in, in the, uh, the uh, Pittsburgh arena. And I'm like you, Brian. I, I grew up, basically. I He entered his professional career just as I entered my professional career. So no matter where I was in the military, no matter where I was in the world, I was watching Kobe play Lakers basketball. And we were there for all the drama, you know, the good and the bad. And there was some bad. I know there were some people being just ridiculous about it yesterday, but it was hard to watch. And so, I mean, man, different experiences, different thoughts. But I think what really gets to me is, yes, from a distance, we're fans. But when you watch a guy play for 20 years and you watch him grow up and you watch his kids grow up and you watch everything he's accomplished, it's, it's tough to swallow. So... Before we move forward, because we do want to reflect a little more, because there is a, this is an L.A. sports kind of thing now that this affects pretty much all of Los Angeles. We do want to touch on a little bit more. Before we do, we want to remind you that we 
are sponsored by Jim Hawkins, McCall's team. We also remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Music. We still have that contest going on Apple Music. You can really use a five-star review. It would help us out. And don't forget other shows on the network, Rams and Censor, when they come back from hiatus and Bunny Head. The contest, though, we're trying to get 200 five-star reviews. So if you could, if you haven't done it yet, please head over to Apple Music, leave a five-star review. That means it needs to be written. It can't be one of those, hey, just click on a star and go. Write it out, submit it, get a screenshot of it, send an email to us at ramstop1945 with a copy of your entry so we know who to enter into the contest, and then we'll also read your feedback on the show. All right. So, again, I, yes, I know it's a Rams podcast, but the, uh, man, a large majority, I guess, of the L.A. fan base. I know there's other Clippers fans out there, but we all know who Kobe is. And we know the impact he had in all pro sports in the entire L.A. area. So I just want to cover that real quick and, and just kind of pay the respects there before we actually get into our topic for the night. I'm going to start back with Brian. Brian, like you said he, you grew up watching him. Basically, from first year adulthood on, you got to see all the good and the bad, like I did and, and like Mike did. What do you make of what happened with Kobe, and what, what, how will you remember him? I guess more than anything else, how will you remember him and his family and his accomplishments as a as a LA sports fan? Well, kind of like yourself, you know. I, I no matter where I was, you know, I'm former military as well. So, um, you know, I was in the military during the three P. You know, when they or I left right around the time that they had the three-peat and then watched the other championships, you know, from not being in California. But, you know, he was he was a flawed man. I mean, there was, you know, the rape allegations. Um, there were, you know, things that happened. But no matter what bad light he was put in, it was like he was always trying to get better. I mean, that's the one thing I take away from him. Like, yeah, he was a five-time champion, but it was almost like his after career, you know, after being a pro athlete was going to be so much more special than what he did on the basketball court, which was special and watching him, you know, interact with his little girls and, you know, it's just really sad. I I don't know what else to say. It's just, I was really, really looking forward to seeing what he was going to do in his post NBA career. Mike, yeah, I just, you know, echo that as well. You know, it's it's good to see that, you know, as we get older, we should have more maturity. We should have more wisdom. You know, we should be leaving a legacy that uh, people would hopefully speak positive of and that it helps curtail and maybe leads people in the right direction. And it just seemed as he uh, got going over these last years after retirement, focusing heavily on the family. And, you know, you could see it by the smiles in his, you know, kids' uh, faces, even his wife after, you know, a misstep some years ago. So it was kind of cool to see them as a family. You know, my wife and I do a lot of marriage mentoring. And so you have these situations that come up in marriage. And so. It was nice to see him and, you know, Miss uh, Vanessa Bryant bounce back and, you know, have four beautiful daughters. And then, you know, it seems is, you know, you're really starting to hit your stride in second career. And then it's somewhat snuffed out what we would think is early. So uh, I would remember, you know, a guy who who grew and became more of a man and just really the tenacious uh, ability and attitude that he took on the court like every night you know he, he wasn't a guy that he would be known as ever taking a night off and 
So you like to see that when you're talking about an athlete, especially at that high level, who was making, you know, the type of money and endorsements and all that. But, you know, he took it personal to go out and play hard every night. So, man, rest in peace. I think what bothered me more than anything was the news that his daughter passed with him. And a matter of fact, Bosnia, that there were so many lives lost and that, you know, nine people pass away. But your daughter, all those videos, Brian, you mentioned the videos. My gosh, I have not been able to bring myself to watch a video yet. I just can't do it. I got two little girls at home, man. I can't. I, I mean, I just imagine losing one of them. I just, I don't, oh man, I can't even think of it. And I guess I also echo what you're saying, Mike, that that he went through some stuff and he was not perfect. He made mistakes. And we saw some of the more immature stuff, the whole feud with Shaq. And the I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but the big contract thing where he was contemplating leaving the Lakers for somebody somebody else, i.e. the Clippers. And, of course, he signs this mega deal and says, that was never my intention. But, come on, it's free agency. You're thinking about it. That bothered me to no end. I was getting really frustrated with him at that point because the Lakers had backed him up when, when um, rape allegations happened. And I think what, what really changed my view of Kobe was watching him change. The guy literally matured right in front of our very eyes. He was slow doing it. But he, be, he went from somebody who acted childish, did dumb things, and got himself in, in some pretty serious hot water. We don't want to f- minimize that. You can't, can't whitewash that. Now, what, how people feel about that situation, that's on them. I'm not going to sit here and talk about that. But we saw him become somebody who, whose work ethic extended beyond him. He always had the, the strongest work ethic on the court, but now he began to push that towards the rest of his, his teammates. He pushes the point where some people couldn't handle staying there and playing with them. You guys remember this. Man, Pal Gasol, man, he was hard on Pal. And Dwight Howard, he was hard on Dwight. And seeing these guys, some of these guys just leave because of it. I mean, that's how hard he pushed people. Seeing him become a family man. You know, his his marriage stays together. They have all these children. He's doting father to his kids and especially you know you know was really i mean that's how he passed I mean, he was with his daughter going to a tournament so man just seeing the story of him of him actually going to mass before taking that flight yesterday it just um but guys he was just an icon though he was like every one of these Rams players that come here hope to become that icon in a city like los angeles where all the stars are and he actually did it now of course they don't have Rams players don't have 20 years to do it but he did it and for a, I mean, a long time in the future, whenever there's a star in L.A., whether it be for the Rams or for somebody else, they're going to look to a player like Kobe and try to reach that same status. Anything to add, guys? I, it's awkward. I'm, I'm not as emotional as, as I was yesterday. but You know, so, Derek, I mean, I know you mentioned, you know, he's with his daughter. And... Yesterday, you know, any kind of social media I would look at, it was just filled with sorrow and just filled with Kobe. But it wasn't just filled with Kobe. I I lived in Orange County for a long time myself, and I knew people that knew others on that flight as well. So it kind of really hit home because I may not have known the people on the flight, but I knew people that knew them. And, you know, that's just 
way too close to home and it's just so bad for everybody involved it's just really sad yeah it's just you know uh as you talk about it my offensive coordinator's brother you know works at orange coast college and talked to him and they had just kicked off their baseball season with a scrimmage on saturday so it just uh, goes to show how precious life is. And, and to Derek, you know, having six kids, you know, I, that was some of my discussion today with our class of school is, you know, what do you do or how would you react with just sudden loss? You know, something is just and just a reminder to just take every day as it is and, and try to enjoy it and, and get something out of it positive. Because, man, you just don't expect something like this to happen uh, the way it did. It was shocking. I guess we shouldn't be shocked. We, we've seen stars pass away over the years, whether it be from accidents like this, Roberto Clemente, all those years ago, to more disturbing ways to pass. But this one really, I think, hurt. Being a star in a, in a metropolitan area, you watched him grow up, man. You watched him become a star. And I think he'll... He'll cast a shadow over the rest of this Lakers season and, and beyond, and uh, it's hard. I mean, if you're a team in LA, the Rams, even though the Rams have a lot of history there, you're already looking at the Lakers, going, "How do we catch up to that?" Even the fact they haven't made the playoffs in six years—that's going to break this year. But I mean, it's hard to try and meet that. And then one of the stars, one of the people you want to emulate to become that star, is gone. I mean, that's all I got. I mean, I, I can't even think of. I mean, there's a lot in my heart to say about it. I think I wrote some of it yesterday when I was uh, kind of putting it down on, on Facebook. But, um, yeah. So, we're going to move on. We do want to let you know, again, we are sponsored by Jim Hawks, Hollywood's team. Great glamour, the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. Check it out, guys. If you have not read this book, it is the book to read if you want to get the lowdown on how the Rams made an imprint on the L.A. area in the 1950s after they moved over from Cleveland. It's... Chock full of stories about stars like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy Crazy Church, Tom Fears, and Les Richter. And it's a personal story about Jim Hawk's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. You can find Hawk's book online at hallwasteam.com and on Twitter at hallwasteam. It's available both in hardback, paperback, and electronic form at Amazon on Barnes & Noble. You can also find Hawk's team through various other booksellers on the internet. I've read the book cover to cover. Brian... I don't think you have yet, have you? No, I have not. Nah. But, you know, Mike knows the story as well. So check it out. If you haven't checked it out, it's an easy, easy breezy read. Good stuff. Jim Hawks, always seeing great glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. So our core topic of the week, it's a little bit different. Last week, Mike and I, we went and broke down the, the candidacies of Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt. So if you really want to break down this and get into the argument, go back and listen to last week's show. It's a good one, I promise. This week, and this is why Brian took, because Brian had a pretty good case. He was making it online. We want to hear and give the whole thing. We are taking a look at our choices for people who should be strongly considered for the Hall of Fame that were once Rams. And each of us, I thought, had picked out some good ones. I'm going to start with Mike. Mike, especially since you played with these guys, at least one of them, who are your choices for Rams who should at least be considered for the Hall of Fame, former Rams? Uh, well, one of them is an outstanding receiver 
from Jackson State is Harold, my man, Jackson. So Harold Jackson, Leon actually is his middle name, but Harold Leon Jackson would be uh, one of my guys along with a guy I did play with is Nolan Storm and Norman Cromwell. So those would be my two if I were just picking right now. Okay, so why Harold Jackson? We don't hear this conversation much about him. Every once in a while. I think Jim Ever brought him a couple weeks ago. Well, a couple things. One, uh, 15-year career. And basically didn't miss a game. Uh, that's one. He played in the era where there was 14 uh, season games. Played in an era where anything could go, you know, the stick them on the hands, the holding, the hitting, you know. Uh, but and probably when a lot of these stats, even though they have stats for what he did, obviously wouldn't be as accurate as they are today. So it may be some lows in some areas, but, you know, a guy who had longevity over a long time, you know, a guy who started with the Rams, went to Philly for a few years, played most of career with the Rams and, and ended up with New England a couple of years with Minnesota and Seattle. So just overall longevity and, you know, stats probably aren't going to jump out at you. Uh, one of the stats that jumps out at me is just the yard averages almost 18 yards a catch over career. So to me, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, and so he would be definitely a guy that I would think would be considered, especially in the era he played again, where everything anything went, you know, played against some great defenses. And especially when he's on the Rams, he was always a guy that was going to get doubled. What do you think, Brian, about Harold Jackson here? You know, honestly, I don't know enough about him, to be honest with you. A um, little bit before my time, but, I mean, everything that, you know, Michael's talking about, I mean, yeah, the, that that all stands out. Like, you know, the yards per catch and, you know, playing every single game and, yeah. I mean, but like I said, I just don't know enough about him, to be honest. Okay, I want to throw this out there. And this might blow your mind a little bit. There's a, I'm trying to think of receivers who would compare. Mm-hmm. Okay, and one that comes to mind, two that came to mind, were the of the Steelers, John Stallworth and Lynn Swan. Both were in the Hall of Fame, right? Yes. Okay, so I'm looking at, I mean, I already know his stats are better than Lynn Swan's. Looking at John Stallworth. Who is in the Hall of Fame, won multiple Super Bowl titles, 579 career receptions for Harold Jackson. In today's terms, that's no, I mean, that's not, those aren't great in today's terms. In those terms, back in 1968, when he started in the league, finished 1983, those are some pretty big numbers. He, in throughout his career, consistently played. Almost every game, all the way through 1978, when he finally missed some time. Okay, then 79, 80, 81 played in. Was that 46 out of 48 games? Had three 1,000 yard careers, like you said. Overall, it actually 17.9 career average. That average went down a little bit towards the end because he it was he was getting older. Touchdowns, 76 touchdowns. Okay, that is. For that era. Now, John Stallworth was playing in an era where we started heading more towards the pass. He actually had a, 
1984 with the, with the Steelers at 80 catches for 1,395 yards. But overall, in his career, 537 catches for a 16.2 average and 63 touchdowns. That, that's a difference here. That's, right, a pretty, right. that's a pretty big difference. Right. And, you know, another thing that stands out when you talk about, you know, playoff receiving and you want a guy to step up, his average actually went up to 22.8, you know, average in, in, in the playoffs. So there's a guy that, hey, we need it. And now we step our game up when we need it more is uh, in the playoffs. So and you can go down and as you noted, you can start doing the comparing but when you talk about eras harold jackson was one of the guys if not the guy for a number of years he he was i think the only thing that hurts him is the fact that he was never as prolific yes i mean but he was consistent across the board and quite frankly the rams didn't run i mean didn't throw the ball a whole lot <laughs> exactly I mean, so, <laughs> so. Uh, your other your other one is Nolan Cromwell. You played with him. He's been on the show. What's your case for him? Well, my case for Nolan, again, he's a guy who came out of college as a quarterback, could do it all. Uh, you know, he played some safety, played some corner. He could play down in a box. He was truly a field general. Uh, again, has some career interceptions of 37 not super, super high, but again, looking at the era and, you know, made four Pro Bowls and definitely at least even my time, you know, coming in at 87 as a rookie, him ended up being his last year. But, you know, I got a chance to start uh, almost four games with Nolan. Uh, taught me a lot just in those games. I have to play with him on the field, you know, just a high character guy. You know, end up being a great coach, but a guy all around returned some punts and kickoffs and did some things like that. Uh, so, you know, again, when you kind of start comparing him to some of the other guys that may be in the hall, uh, he's a guy I think should get at least some notice. And, you know, who knows? Uh, this Hall of Fame and can be somewhat stat heavy at times or publicity or popularity heavy at times. But when you just talk about a guy who, you know, played the game the way it's supposed to be played and, you know, did it for a solid 10 years, that's pretty impressive to me. I would agree. I agree. Chance to interview him. He was amazing. Sat and talk with and a uh, special player. Brian, you've got your two. Yeah. Do, do you have any thoughts on Nolan before we get into your two? Um, once again, you know, like, I, I hear things about him. I didn't watch him play. It was, you know, a little bit before my time. I, I, I mean, it's a great case set out there by you guys. Um, just, you know, just a little bit before my time. That's all. All right. So you have a couple guys here on your list that are interesting. Yeah. Do you, which one do you want to go first? The one that's not so controversial, the one's controversial? <laughs> I don't know. Which one's controversial? I mean... I, I think they could both be considered controversial. I mean, you know, my two guys are Henry Ellard, and then, you know, one that's not eligible yet is Steven Jackson. But I think Henry Ellard, I'll, I'll start there. I think that's kind of controversial if you think about it. I mean, it, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but he's only made it to the semifinalist round. Am I wrong? 
It's close to that, yeah. And, so. and this year, and this year, he didn't even make the semifinalist. Um, I'm, I'm looking at a guy, you know, who played, I think, 15 plus years, who is sitting number 15 all time in in receiving yards, who played in an era where, you know, they didn't throw the ball a lot. They they ran the ball, and the guy was a great run, route runner. And I think he averaged 16.9 yards per catch. You know, he played on some good teams and he played on some really bad teams. Um, you know, I, and I just, I just look at where he's sitting. Like I, I look at the guys that are, that are above him that are in the, in the Hall of Fame. Pretty much, when it, when I'm looking at you know anybody eligible that has more yards than him, you know, other than Isaac Bruce, um, is in the Hall of Fame. I mean, the only other guys that aren't in the Hall of Fame are Larry Fitzgerald. He's still playing. We got Steve Smith, who, you know, just recently retired. You got Reggie Wayne and Andre Johnson, who recently retired, and Anquan Bolton. But his numbers are sitting right there with, you know, the greats. And I think what I guess, you know, in my mind is the fact that when the Rams moved, Maybe there just wasn't any publicity for him, you know, because he didn't. He never played for St. Louis, and when his time came to an end, the Rams were in St. Louis. So who was there to push his, you know, his envelope? You know, that's I a mean, good point. Am, am I wrong? I mean, I've made that argument numerous times about numerous Rams players who have been kind of left in the dark. I have long believed that the Rams have been shortchanged in terms of their players being considered for the Hall of Fame, and I have two of them tonight myself who. I think I've been forgotten. I totally get you. And the numbers, you're right. 814 receptions, and most of his career was in the 80s, played into the 90s, was productive all the way to what, age 35? 1,000-yard season, 19.5 yards of reception in 1996. Yeah, 96. Yeah. I mean, that's he was among the best. I also think that, in a couple of seasons there, he had some hamstring problems. I'm thinking back, especially right. to 1992. Uh, actually, in 89, he had a great season that year, and he was hurt for, what, four games? Played in 14, was hurt in four of those games, played, missed four, sorry, missed two of them, didn't start in four of them. I, it's The numbers are there. 814 catches, 1,000, sorry, 13,777 yards. 65 touchdowns and a 16.9 career right. average. And that was a running team for many years, by the way. What about your other case? I mean, I'm not. Uh, my other case is Steven Jackson. You know, um, mm. I think if, if, I, if I'm wrong, I think he comes up for eligibility next year. Am I correct on that? Or is it another year after that? Let's see. He came he, His last game was in 2015. So, yeah, next year. Next year. Okay. So. We're, we're talking about a guy that, you know, he, he didn't have the longest career, but, you know, running backs, you know, they don't always have long careers. I mean, he played for 11 years, and, you know, he compiled a le- over 11,000 yards. But the one thing I found very interesting is that he's just one of six players to ever have eight straight 1,000-yard seasons. And everybody else but Steven Jackson on that list is in the Hall of Fame. And 
you know, just to just to add to it, you know, throwing these St. Louis days, he played on really, really, really bad teams. Like he was the focal point of pretty much every team in St. Louis he was on, where they're putting eight men in the box and the guy just produced. I mean, in 2006, he put up over 1,500 yards rushing. Um, that same season, he put up over 800 yards receiving. I mean, he, it, that's the thing. Like, he wasn't just a running back. I mean, he put up over 15,000 all-purpose yards. But I think a lot of people don't want to give him the credit he deserves because, for one, he didn't go to a lot of Pro Bowls. I think he went to three Pro Bowls. Mm-hmm. And he just never really played in the playoffs other than, you know, a real brief run with New England when he was already pretty much out of the league. Uh, any thoughts on that? I'm going to Mike here. Mike, you, these two, between Steven Jackson and Henry Aller, which one do you think has a better case from his two choices? Well, both are good cases. Uh, I think Henry obviously speaks for himself, and I absolutely got to play with him and practice against him every day. And he even watched him in all season in Fresno when I was in college before getting to the team. Uh, Henry Eller is one of the most prolific route runners that there's ever been. He was pretty much uncoverable, uh, if you will, especially once he went in the slot at different times. Uh, just very nifty on his feet. A lot of people forget he was an Olympic uh, trial finalist as well in the triple jump. So this guy was multi-talented and uh, was a punt returner when we needed it. And so uh, absolutely, numbers speak for themselves. Longevity speaks for himself. Uh, maintain high productivity throughout his career. And it would just be interesting to see, you know, had – we won that Super Bowl maybe 89, and then I think he was on a team in 80, what was it, 80, when did it go, 85 against the Bears? Yeah. You know, had they, yeah. they won that year as well, uh, and you got two Super Bowl rings, you know, we're probably talking about a different story. So uh, it'll just be interesting to see how long it takes, but I definitely agree with the idea that, the St. Louis Rams, uh, once they went there, maybe not as much coverage. Same with Steven Jackson. You know, those numbers, man, I didn't know that. That's impressive. Eight, one hundred, one thousand yard plus games. That's, that's pretty impressive. Speaks for itself. I think the thing with Steven Jackson, he came behind the era of greatest show on turf and Marshall Falk. So Marshall Falk is a whole different style running back. Steven Jackson, uh, wasn't. So it seems like that may have something when it just comes to style points, if you will, that he may not get the the due that he's credit because of his style of running. I think two things hurt Stephen Jackson. Brian, you mentioned one, the fact they were in St. Louis. And it was, one, it's not a huge media market as it is. And two, they were awful for a large portion of his career. But two, his numbers, as great as they are, really hide how good he was because, like you mentioned, eight men in the box. Imagine if he's playing a defense that had to deal with a passing game, too. What kind of numbers he'd have. That's the part that blows me away, is his career probably lasts longer than it did, and he's probably more prolific if they just had a decent passing game for, geez, from what, 2007 on? They were horrible. 
in 2009, that team was 1 and 15. He was the offense. He ran for 14 16. Yep. So I, I know I saw you kind of debating a little bit with, Brink, with Blaine Greesack, and he didn't believe he'll be considered. I think if we have smart writers, let me stress that smart writers, and Mike, you and I talked about this last week, okay, about the right. the committee. We don't know what we're getting with these guys. So we have people who actually right, right. get some time and dig in some film. And if you, when his time comes, if, if there's actually somebody who makes the case, because he'll have an advocate, you need an advocate for this, then I think it's a fair shot because if you go into the film, you're going to see one of the best to play the game. But you have to go into the film, and that's the problem. How many of these guys are going to go in the film and actually look at it and actually consider the fact that this team was awful and he still did what he did? There's the problem. The same for Henry Eller. Yeah. Same for him. He was on some awful teams. Yeah, yeah, and I was on a couple of those. I mean, you can't go 6-10, and 6-10, and, and then 3-13. and 13. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, all those things. It was interesting. I think it was Peter King. I was going to school today was talking about how they vote and they vote secret ballot. So I thought that was interesting. Oh, nobody wants to put their name on things. Okay. So there mm-hmm. you go. I mean, well, you got secret ballots. It is what it is. Last Derek Jeter not getting that one vote to not put up 100%. Everybody flips their lid because that one person had an anonymity in you know, they will never get a chance to say, dude, what was that about? Same for football. Yeah. Same for football. And to end the show, we got my two. I'm going old school. And both of them we've had in the show, by the way. Eddie Metter, you guys know this. This was not a secret. I've been a heavy advocate for Eddie Metter for a long time. His career, I actually wrote an article about his candidacy. He played in 163 apostle, 164 games in his 12-year career. Had six Pro Bowl bursts from 1960 and then 1964-68. Two first-team All-Pro honors. He was one of three safeties on the 1960s All-Decade team. The other two, by the way, are in the Hall of Fame, Larry Wilson and Willie Wood. He had a team record 46 interceptions during his career, returned five of them for touchdowns. And that's not even, that's not even great, not even to what Nolan Cromwell did. And Nolan Cromwell did a great job. Team record for block kicks. And here's the kicker. He was named to two separate all-time Rams teams. But my case for Eddie Metter is that he was what safeties need to be now. An NFL safety today has to be a jack-of-all-trades. You have to be able to play the run. You have to cover at least reasonably well, and you have to tackle. Few safeties are actually good at that. But that's what Metter did. Metter did everything and he wasn't afraid to get down there and get dirty on the field. He wasn't afraid of diving into That's how he got hurt. Deacon Jones. Him in the in the back by accident. Right in the back. End his career. And if not, he, he plays longer. So that's my case on Eddie Metter. Across the board, he was one of the best cities in the league. And he isn't talked about. It drives me batty. Any thoughts, guys? No, I think you covered it. I mean, again, when you look at and you try to break it down based on the era, time he played, the different things, you know, technology, everything, you know, those guys back then pretty much played on all natural grass or it was some frozen tundra as it was in Lambeau Field. So, you know, heavier cleats, you know, just different things. But it will be interesting to see if somehow 
you know, our RAM organization could get some momentum with talking about these guys, maybe more highlights of games or or making a conscious effort to try to get some of these guys absolutely in and over the hump. Well, my other one here is, is Roger Brown. We don't really know too much about him overall because it was so long ago. But Roger Brown played for a very long time in the league. Overall, he had uh, six Pro Bowl selections, a two-time first-team All-Pro. He was a second-team All-Pro three times, played for the Lions and the Rams, was a member of each team's fearsome foursome. They both had a fearsome foursome. And in each case, he was dominant. 300-pound, one of the few 300-pound guys out there at the time, he was. The, he'll tell you he originated the head slap, not not Deacon Jones. If you get a chance, to go back and listen to our interview with him. It's actually very inspiring. Listen to him talk about work ethic, what it means to be uh, successful. But his overall case for that era and having played on two legendary defensive lines, I think it means something. Any thoughts there, guys? Um, um, you, you put it out there perfectly, man. Um, we, obviously we don't know a lot about him, but you know, the stats speak for themselves. Um, and, you know, just going back to, you know, the other player you mentioned, you know, Michael said it, uh, there has to be a focus on getting these guys highlights out there. There has to be a focus on getting these guys careers in front of the media, because if the media doesn't see it, if it's not fresh in their mind, these guys are never going to get any kind of case for the Hall of Fame. And this is where I'm guilty because at this time last year when Isaac didn't get in, I had made a point that Rams Talk is going to have an initiative for the future in terms of getting these Rams players who should at least be considered. If they don't get in after consideration, fine. But a lot of these guys aren't even being talked about. And they deserve to at least get the conversation. Metter being one of them. All, Cromwell and... Roger Brown. These guys had fantastic careers. Henry Eller, come on. These guys had careers worthy of at least the conversation, but you have to have a media advocate go in there and make the case for these players. And somebody has to choose to pick it up. One we didn't talk about tonight, but his name keeps coming up, a certain Roman Gabriel. Yep. He's talked about a lot, and he's worthy of consideration. So the Rams have plenty of players that deserve some kind of look back. When I wrote, it was July 2018 when I wrote this article, and what we found was basically in terms of safety, just safeties alone. And we can't forget that Cromwell played some safety. There were only 26 defensive backs enshrined in Canton at this time. And that was behind, so that was a position group behind linebackers at 30, defensive linemen at 37, offensive linemen at 45. That was defensively. And only 13 of them were safeties at the time. So the Rams are lacking two of those safeties right now that should be getting considered, and they're not being considered. Overall, I think the Rams as a team, and tell me if I'm wrong, guys, I think the Rams as a team have been shorted in terms of Hall of Fame considerations. Part of what you were saying, Brian, was all these moves kind of mess you up in terms of getting entrenched and getting people to know your players and advocate for them. But is there anything else you yeah. think has held them back? Um, you know, just 
Yeah, you know, just the fact that they, you know, besides, you know, the last couple of years, they just haven't been good. You know, when it, when a team's bad, they don't get the coverage. So no one wants to go out and point to any given player about being very good because the team is so bad. I feel like when people are making all these Hall of Fame, you know, like when they're trying to give the credentials of these guys, they're, they're talking about, you know, what they did in the playoffs. I mean, like, you know, somebody that's coming up, you know, in a few years is Eli Manning. And, you know, there's a argument you can make both directions on this, but the one argument everybody always points at is that he's a two-time Super Bowl MVP. So with the Rams not really having a lot of playoff success, and not being a very successful franchise over a good portion of years, I just think it draws away from the great players that played for him. Mike, any last thoughts? Yeah, no, I just totally agree that, you know, there just has to be, you know, more groundswell uh, to to get these names out, you know, as we kind of noted, some of the older, uh, or we talked about tonight, some of the older guys may not be on top of mind. So how do we know about these guys unless it's put out there in some form? So, man, it, it, all of them, you know, discussed this evening, I think at least deserve some consideration, as you noted. And we just have to keep going at it to, to get these guys out there and, and, and get them on the ballot and get their names more in the focus of the here and now. All right. So I guess it's something we look at this year and we're – I can't make promises yet. We have a, a team here that is uh, exhausted from the season, but I think if there's something to shoot for, it's help getting these guys named out there. Hopefully we'll see something. Something's, something's talked about. Eddie Metterman, the guy's in his 80s. Please, all of good in the whole list, let's talk about him. Advocating for Henry Allard. These things need to happen. At least get them a, a look at the committee. And that's our show, guys. We want to keep it short tonight. We're not doing too hot with uh, all the Kobe news, but we did want to get something out to you. So before we go, let you know where we can find all of us. Brian, where can folks find you on Twitter, man? Um, my ad is Brian81277. And what should people expect when they interact with you on, on Twitter? I have to do this. I have to. What should they expect? You, you you have to do it. Well, I, I'm guessing I have to keep this at PG, so I'm going <laughs> to say you know something that uh, just just let it be known that I will speak my feelings, and if I feel you're wrong, I will tell you very sternly. Very sternly. Well done. <laughs> well done. Because that could be described in many different ways. Mike, one Duke twenty three, right? You got it. You got it. You can find me at DC Apollo. We are. Also, as a team here at, at Talk Rams, you can find our Facebook group as well, Talk uh, the Rams Talk Room, and our page at Rams Talk. You just Google it or just put it in facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find us anywhere podcasts are found, so subscribe, please, and spread the word. So for the entire team here at Rams Talk, including Mike, Brian, everybody, it's Derek C. Paul saying, take it easy. We'll see you this weekend. We're out. Yay. You can't
can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.